Welcome to On the Line. It's Tuesday, April 4th, and we return for the latest and greatest in high school track and field. This past weekend consisted of some prestigious events like the Texas Relays and the Florida Relays and many more big-time events. For more coverage on those events, please head over to milesplit.com to check out our coverage. I'm Corey Mall here with my lovely co-hosts, Ashley Titians and Olivia Ekbenet. On today's show, we'll chat with Associate Director of the Penn Relays, Presented by Toyota, we'll dive into three takeaways from this past week of action. We'll break down Arcadia and the Women's Olympic Development 600 at Penn Relays. And then we'll finish off with the All-American Invitational in South Carolina, which is our national meet of the week. Uh, Just want to say hello to you both. And how are you all doing? Uh, Ashley, let's start with you. We're all wearing red today. How how are you doing, Ashley? (laughs) I'm doing good. Yes, we're the the red crew today. I had a fun weekend, you know, I got to go to the Texas Relays all weekend, which was really fun. I've never been before, never seen support like that before at a track meet, which is insane. I I feel like, I I think I saw that there's a total on the final day of like 51,000 people there in the stands, which... I mean, that compares to, like, a football game in some places. Oh, three-day total, right? Three-day total? Or it may have been three-day total. I can't remember. Yeah, but I think that only holds about 20,000. No, that makes sense. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it was oh. fun. I enjoyed it. Olivia, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm currently actually in Alabama visiting my best friend, so kind of nice to hang out with the kids. I've been watching some baseball, ran into Coach Waters from the University of Alabama last night, which was really cool. interesting, so doing great things here go bama go bama love it (laughs) all right let's get to uh our first segment here which is an interview with uh associate meet director of the pen relays aaron robeson he's the former director of collegiate track and field at the armory and a graduate of byu where he ran for the track and field program aaron's doing big things helping prepare for this massive event in philadelphia uh aaron thank you for being with us how are you Well, let's start first with the anticipation for the Penn Relays in 2023. We're less than a month out now, and uh, high school entries just closed yesterday, which is you know, obviously a very busy period for you. Uh, how excited are you about this year's installment? Um, yeah, it's going to be great. Um, I mean, last year was, was huge in the sense that we were coming back for the first time since 2019 due to the pandemic. The meet hadn't happened in three years. Um, it was the 126th installment. This year, we're up to 127th installment in the 130th year, or gone on almost 130 years uh, since the meet started in 1895. Um, the thing that'll be exciting this year is is there's less international COVID restrictions, um, and so we're going to have a much larger, or I guess more more of a full like international contingent. Last year. There weren't as many teams from, you know, traditionally Jamaica and Trinidad and so forth. Um, and this year, the, the that is different. Um, many of those those historic countries and schools that have attended the Penn Relays for many years uh, will be back. In addition to, obviously, there's plenty of high schools um, around the United States, um, primarily here in the Northeast, uh, that will be here, uh, really making it, in my opinion, the greatest high school competition in any sport um, because it's essentially it's it's almost like it's the high school world championships um, because you get uh, teams from so many different countries and essentially if you know you can win at the pen relays then you more or less are the the world champion in a lot of ways um, just because of 
of, of so much um, international flavor and, and so much uh, excitement that that happened with with that component of, of the high school meet um, at the Penn Relays. So I learned this from Dave Johnson yesterday. Uh, I was in Philadelphia doing a doing a pre-meet project there. Um, Jamaican schools have been at the Penn Relays for nearly 60 years. Uh, they're a big part of it. Uh, combined with the American high schools that make up some of these, you know, very anticipated races. But as you said, there's more than just Jamaica and American high schools. Can you talk, can you go a little bit more into depth about what other nations um, we can expect to see this year at at the event at high school, collegiate level? um, And what's that got to be like here this year? Yeah. So uh, this year, um, entries just closed yesterday. So we have a a more clear picture. Um, we have 12 total countries that will be represented. Um, United States, obviously, in the largest number. Uh, the second largest contingent comes from Jamaica. Um, Jamaicans, historically, you're talking anywhere from oh, 50 to 70 schools. Um, I'm not sure on the exact number of, of how many schools are registered this year. Um, but they come in, in full force. Um, in fact, um, speaking of, of Jamaica, uh, a few weeks ago, the... Uh, director of the U.S. Embassy in Kingston uh, reached out to me and just said, hey, I just wanted to let you know, like every year we we host what's called uh, Super Saturday here at the, the embassy in, in Kingston, where we process all the visas for all the kids that are coming to the Penn Relays. And uh, he said, I just wanted to let you know, it's something we look forward to and it, it's a really exciting event. And then he followed up after that and they processed almost 450 visas uh, for the Jamaican kids to be able to come to the United States and, and participate in the Penn Relays. And so it's such a cool thing that, you know, the Penn Relays has such a large and historic component to it with international high school teams. And it's it requires so many different people to, to be on um you know, to make it happen. Everything from the U.S. Embassy in Kingston, as well as the other countries, um, to in order for them to get the proper visa to be able to get to be able to come here. Many of these kids, um, this is their first time leaving their country. I mean, they, you know, some of them are as, as young as 14 and 15 years old. And it's just what a cool experience that that's your first international experience is to come to the Penn Relays and and see what that's all about. I think the only downside for many of them is sometimes the Philadelphia weather in April is a little bit different than the Philadelphia or the uh, the the weather that they might have in in Jamaica or or any of these other countries. So so yeah. Anyway, I mean, obviously the United States and, and Jamaica are the two big ones. Um, Bahamas always brings a large group. Um, many of the the Caribbean countries, uh, Trinidad, um, they all have a, a large uh, contingent that that comes. Um, and then the other notable countries this year, um, Puerto Rico has a large contingent that's coming. Um, there is a group from South Africa that will be in attendance. Um, that they there's about three or four schools that every so often they they come, and that's that's quite a journey. Um, and then we have uh, a handful of Canadian schools, um, both at the high school level, um, but also at the collegiate level, that that make their way to Philadelphia. So it's really quite exciting. Gosh, yeah, like you said, this is almost like the the world championships for high school track and field with all these different countries competing. Um, you know, I have to ask you, you know, while you just, you know, within the past year came into your role with Penn Relays, you've been around the sport for a long time throughout your career. And, you know, you're an expert at this point on high school track and field. But, you know, in your eyes, as you've, you know, 
witnessed Penn Relays throughout the years. How do you think it's, as an event, changed and remained kind of the same as well over the years? Yeah, so, I mean, the, the tradition of the Penn Relays is one thing that will never change, right? We, we make sure that, you know, it's, it's a carnival. The, the name of the event is the Penn Relay Carnival. Um, we try to create as much excitement in the city of Philadelphia as possible, uh, the excitement around the stadium. So it's not only what's happening on the track, but it's what's happening, you know, in Carnival Village and in the warm-up area and down at the throws and, and all those kind of things. But with that being said, like, we also want to make sure that we're continuing to evolve and that we're not becoming stagnant. Um, and we're very excited this year for the first time ever. Um, the high school girls will be on Friday and Saturday and the high school boys will be on Thursday and Friday. And then every year we will just, you know, they'll rotate um, of who is Thursday, Friday and who's Friday, Saturday. And so this will be the first time in the history of the event that the high school girls are competing on Saturday in front of the Saturday crowd. Um, you know, you alluded to the the size and the excitement of the, the Saturday crowd at Texas Relays. It's much the same at the Penn Relays, where um, we've had as many as 65,000 people on Saturday at Penn Relays. Um, and on average, we're looking at between 40 and 50,000 uh, people on, on just that one day. Um, and so it's a packed house. Uh, it's very exciting. And, and so the high school girls from all over the world um, having that ability to um, you know, run in front of a large crowd and feel all that energy and, and, and run fast times and, and do all of that. Um, and when you think back on all of the prominent females that have run at the Penn Relays in high school, everything from Shelly Ann Frazier-Price, Elaine Thompson-Hara, Sharika Jackson, Sydney McLaughlin, uh, and on and on and on. And those are just names that are, you know, still current in the sport. Um, that They've never run in front of the large crowd is you know, it's like, okay, that's, that makes sense. That's why we need to, um, you know, create some of these opportunities. And so now that the boys and girls will have that opportunity to be showcased on um, every other year is, is something that we're very excited about and see how it goes this year. Now. Yeah. So like, that'll be a big change for 2023 and, you know, something that spectators can look forward to. Are there any other specific, you know, unique things related to specifically the 2023 installment of the pen relays that, you think spectators can look forward to as well? Yeah. Um, so in part with, with changing, um, making adjustments to the schedule with the boys and the girls, what we did is we took all of the uh, high school distance finals and we, we put them all together. Um, on Friday evening, starting at about 4.30, um, we'll have kind of a distance power hour. Um, it'll start with the high school girls championship of America and the DMR. That will follow the high school girls mile followed by the high school girls 3000, all those being finals. And then we'll go into the high school boys DMR, high school boys mile, high school boys uh, 3000. And then to cap it off, we have the Championship of America boys four by eight, which is a final as the prelim is the day before. And that then kicks off the, um, the evening portion that will have a professional 800, followed by um, some heats of the four by four. And then we cap that off um, with the professional uh, steeplechase. So Friday evening, uh, Friday at the Penn Relays is, is on day. Um, and that evening we have uh, as on is, is a primarily a, a distance um, brand. Um, we have a, a distance power hour that will be extremely exciting. Um, not only from, you know, the high school component, but then also from a professional component as well. Uh, we're really looking forward to that. I mean, it, it'll feel 
Um, very, very exciting as, as that's one final after another. And, and hopefully there's not much wind and, and we can see some real fast times as, as we know, uh, not only the high school kids, uh, everybody is, is running so fast in the distance events right now that we'd, we'd love to, to see more of the same. So did you ever compete at Penn Relays? And if not, if you could have competed as an athlete at this historic event, which event would you would like to have competed in and been a part of and why? Yeah, um, I, I didn't get a chance to, to compete here when um, I was at BYU for two reasons. I was very mediocre. <laughs> and, and two... Um, BYU, they came, they've come out a few times, um, especially after I graduated. Um, and I mean, most notably, uh, Diljeet and the women's team won the first pen relays wheel, uh, for the team last year, which was very, very exciting. Um, with that being said, I love the DMR. Um, I think the DMR is one of the most exciting races just when you start to get, you know, lulled by everyone running the same distance than a 400 leg or an 800 leg or, then the, the, the strategy of the mile, like all of those kind of things, that would have definitely been um, something I would have loved to, to have been able to do. Um, I think I probably would have rather uh, done the 1200 leg to lead off um, rather than have the pressure of the anchor leg with uh, all the other milers and, and feel like I'm being hunted. Um, <laughs> but that definitely is is my favorite uh, relay, especially outdoor. I think outdoor, it's it's even uh, prettier than it is uh, indoor. Uh, it's just such a fun, fun event. Um, but no, I mean, I, I grew up knowing about the pen relays, obviously. Um, I... Uh, being able to to see its history and and all of the the beautiful quirks and all of the things that go with with Franklin Field with you know lanes inside of Lane Four that um, are only run with some of the relays, the beautiful backdrop of Waitman Hall, the um, you know large capacity crowd, like all of those kind of things. I mean, it's it's just it's it's a romantic type thing. I mean, it's it's track and field. You almost feel like we're in the 19th century and and running track and field the way it was originally begun um and so those are definitely all things that i knew about but um didn't have an opportunity myself to to compete in it mm -hmm. so this is ashley's very first time actually going to penn Corey and i were there last year i've also competed at penn relays as a high school athlete all the way through the post-collegiate uh years that i've competed in what is if you could just pinpoint one thing that for people that maybe this is their first time coming to penn relays what is one thing that they should look forward to for this upcoming year uh, that it's a carnival. Um, I mean, I've been to a lot of meets and I love track and fields, but even I have been bored at many meets, you know, like that, the, the endless hours of certain high school meets and things like um, I coached for several years before um, I moved out here. Like I am a track and field purist to every level. And so the thing that's different with the pen relays, even though there are 16,000 participants and there's heat after heat of the four by one and the four by four on those prelim days, it is a party. It's, it's a carnival all the time. And if you like more or less get bored with the heats that are happening on the track, then you go outside the stadium and there's all sorts of things going on. Um, I mean, everything from what's happening in carnival village to the uh the jamaicans dancing to the throws complex to everything there's just there's always something happening and it's it's truly a carnival in every sense that um it's it's so much more than a track meet and so that's kind of the the 
the beauty of the pen relays is it's just so different than any track meet. It's not really a track meet. Um, it's it's so much more than that. Um, and that's part of the reason that there's such a large group that comes back year after year. Many of the people that attend the pen relays, it's the meet that they go to each year. And they're going because it's an event more so than because they love track and field or, or this, that, and the other. Um, I've even talked to a lot of people that have had the same tickets for years and years and years. And they always love to sit and watch the triple jump or sit and watch the the high jump or something like that, because that's the area they've always sat and they just love it. They don't know anything about any of the competitors, but they're so excited because they're at the pen relays watching the high jump and whatever uh, type of drama will unfold. And so there's really no comparison um, that at least I have experienced uh, in the sport of track and field to that of the pen relays, because it's just, it's a completely different thing. Um, It's different in the sense, like I was talking about earlier with the, the international teams that come it's different in that it's a carnival. It's a different in that it's 16,000 participants and 100,000 plus fans over the three days. All of those things just set it apart as a whole different um, event that we're just lucky enough that, uh, you know, track and field gets to experience this once a year. Now, like you said, Penn Relays, I mean, it's it's a carnival. I'm, it's, a, it's a whole other beast with so many people coming here to compete and You know, for someone like you that's, you know, throughout your career helped put on a lot of prominent meets such as, you know, the Milrose Games, Dr. Sander Invitational, you know, Penn Relays, again, it's like this whole other new challenge to tackle in terms of, you know, helping put this huge event on. So, you know, how is, I guess, what you've experienced so far helping put together the pieces for Penn Relays in 2023 compared to some of your past experiences and, you know, the same sort of roles uh, throughout your career? Yeah, everything that I've done in the sport, I feel like has prepared me for this role. And that was from the time I was a little kid running in track races to when I was a high school and college athlete, when I was a high school coach, when I was a collegiate coach for a short period of time, when I was at the armory learning from uh, Tim Fulton um, and all the meets that he puts on and and how he does, uh, how he is a meet director and how he, he makes those things happen. All of that uh, continued to to help me understand how an event is supposed to go or what it's at least supposed to look like. And then on top of that, you then add in all the things that, you know, I just alluded to with it being a carnival and hundreds of thousands of fans and and all these participants. So all those things helped me prepare, but there is nothing that can fully help you prepare until you just, you know, get uh, thrown in the fire and, and try to figure out how to how to make it happen. And that's much of what last year was. Um, I was hired in December of 21 and had just four months to help put on the largest uh, track and field event in the world. And last year was a baptism by fire in every possible way you can think of. And so I feel like I'm better prepared this year, but there's nothing that can have you fully prepared. You just have to, you know, really dive in and and do your best and, and hope that while, uh, you know, running the event that, that it goes as smoothly as possible. Very similar to those that prepare to run, you know, whether it's New York or Boston or any of those marathons, you know, you can do all the preparation and you can do all those things as much as possible. But um, until you get out there on the streets and you pound out those 26.2, you know, you don't really know how it's going to go. And, um, you know, we pray for uh, good weather 
Um, we pray <laughs> that there's no lightning. We pray for a lot of things because it's Philadelphia in the spring and, and who knows what's going to happen. And overall, though, whether it's cold, whether it's rainy, whether it's hot, whether it's windy, we know that people are going to run really, really fast. And it happens every time. And it just kind of boggles our mind of, wow, that's crazy. It's it's windy outside or it's rainy or it's it's hot or whatever. Um, how are they running this fast? And it's just, it's really, it's, it's wild. It's, it, there's no other way to describe it. Aaron, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I know you're, you're busy preparing for uh, the event, the high school entries, as we said, close. We're going to have a show on the high school entries next week. Uh, so that'll be fun. But um, thank you again. I'm sure we will talk to you soon. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody. All right. Take care. Thank you. All right. Penn Relays coverage, go to milesplit.com as we'll continue to provide content on the site, on social media, and on this show uh, across the, the month of April. So stay tuned for that. And, and over the past weekend, uh, we had a ton of action in the U.S. It was all covered on the ground in Florida, in Texas, in California. You know, go to the meet pages for the Texas Relays, Florida Relays, West Coast Relays. We'll have content, interviews, race videos, and more. Uh, and you can also go to milesplit.com for, for new stories this week on meets coming up. Um, we're going to move to our next topic, which is, you know, why did this performance matter this past weekend? What were the big takeaways from top performances in the U.S.? Uh, we'll go to Ashley first. Uh, what's something that came across your mind? Yeah, like I mentioned at the top of the show, I was able to go out to Texas Relays and some really exciting stuff happened. A lot of other things were really shocking to me as I was watching, you know, in the stands and stuff. And I think the most shocking performance for me had to be from Gatlin Bear out of, you know, Burley High School in Idaho. He comes into this meet and he he wins the 100-meter dash here at Texas Relays. He runs first in the prelims, he runs a 10:18 wind-aided time. And then he goes on to the finals to win in 10:25. And guys, that's that's a huge thing here for Bear. I mean, if you look at what he did just last year as a sophomore, he ran 10:54. That was his PR before this, and so that's a huge improvement there. He smashes the Idaho State record in the event, both the all conditions record and the wins legal record. And I think the other thing too here is he track isn't his main sport. You know, I watched his post race interview with our guy, Masswood Texas editor, Will Grundy. And he was like, you know, football's my main sport. And I looked him up. He's a four-star wide receiver. And he's got some offers from some big-name schools like Michigan, um, I think Nebraska too as well, and Arkansas. And, I mean, he wasn't the only guy too in that field that's a huge football star. He took down people like Nick Harbour, who finished in third, I believe. And he also took down IMG star Devontae Howell. So I think this is a huge performance for him. And I'm really excited to see where this takes him for the rest of the season as well. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Olivia, what do you have? I I know over the last couple of weeks, we've been just talking about the loaded 100-meter hurdle field on the girls' side. We talked about Alicia Samuel. We talked about Akela Garrett. We talked about Makaria Harris, Myla Green, Chelsea Williams. Those are big names that we talked about. I want to add another name to this list, and that girl's name is Riley Hampton. She's a junior from Houston, Cypress Ridge. This weekend at the Texas Relay, she clocked a wind legal 13-18 in the short hurdles, which actually ties her for number 13 all-time in 
high school history. And also Makaria Harris also ran that exact same time in the finals as well. So what does this mean for Riley? You know, her previous best was at 1374. So the fact that she dropped that much time, I feel like she enters into a whole new tier now. And now I feel like she's amongst the top ranked girls in this event. And this is her first time going under 1350. And this is the best performance in her career so far. So Riley Hampton, I feel like just added herself into a whole nother tier when it comes to the, when it comes to the short hurdle. So Riley Hampton has my, I, we made eye contact. I'm there. So that's a girl. That's out for. I agree a hundred percent with both of you. That that's insane. Uh, from, from Hampton and bear too. Um, Curious if we'll see Bear down the line, NFL draft. We'll have sort of the backstory. Yeah. Here's his high school exploits. Yeah. Uh, all respect to Montford Academy. Uh, they had a lot of monumental performances this weekend, including Assam Singa's. We, we all saw 10-10 in the, in the 100 mm-hmm. win legal. Mm-hmm. We talk about Montford a lot over the last – we have talked about them a lot over the last week. So we're going to give a little bit more attention to some other athletes. And for me, I want to switch attention to uh, Shorewood High School's Nathan Cumberbatch, uh, a senior from the Wisconsin High School um the 800 is particularly strong across the u.s this year at national indoor at the national indoor championships alone we had four guys under 150 uh cumberbatch uh, university of southern california signee actually went 151 at nike indoor national so he wasn't in the big race but he still won a national title uh over the weekend though i think he really solidified himself in that conversation and he's kind of inching closer toward that wisconsin state record um only one guy in the state outdoors have ever go- has ever gone under 150 that's uh Andrew Perkins who went 149.96 back in 2008 and now Nathan kind of put himself on the pathway towards that what the interesting part about that is he's not the only one uh we've talked about Andrew Regnier a lot over the last couple of weeks and mm-hmm. he himself went under 150 at indoors so we have two guys from Wisconsin uh this year who realistically could go after a state record um i think that's going to be a really big storyline to follow over that state uh, this outdoor season and um, all the credit goes to him over the past weekend the biggest meet on the calendar by far this weekend is arcadia invitational a huge amount of Mm -hmm. entries uh it, it naturally kind of lends itself to some big performances and some of these big races and we got to get into some of this stuff because it, you know it, it's just a huge <laughs> meet uh so what's one race or event you are specifically looking forward to at arcadia and why and olivia we'll start with you first what I'm looking forward to, of course, I come in with the speed. So I'm looking forward to the U.S. number five and the U.S. number 11 performers right now when it comes to the boys 400 meters. You have Dijon Stanley of Granada Hills Charter out in California. He is one of the 10 boys this outdoor season to dip under 47 seconds. He went 46.40 in mid-March. And the crazy thing is that was his only 400-meter race of the season. He's done a multiple series of races. He's gone 20 point uh, twice in during the spring, which both of have been win legal performances. So the speed is there and obviously the strength is there as well. So I'm looking to see what he does once again. He's also going to face Arden Parker of Helix Charter and he currently sits as U.S. number 11 with a 47.03 which came from the end of March. So this is a big opportunity I think for Arden to really challenge himself. He's going to be competing against one of the fastest boys in the country and he's competed in a handful of races from the 100 to the 200 and only has two 400 meter races underneath his belt. So as we kind of shift now we're in the beginning of April right? So pretty soon we're going to be start thinking about invitationals and also just like going after you know, 
state championships are just before we even know are going to be around the corner. So I feel like this is a great opportunity for Mr. Parker to really challenge himself when it comes to this 400 meters. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Olivia, it feels like a lot of like new names are entering into these sprint circles, especially in the 400. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you know, Aiden Dixon comes to mind, Makaya Danzi. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. is it just sort of like next man up syndrome here in track, especially in, the, in this, <laughs> this distance? What do you see from that? I think it's really interesting to say the least because, right, like when we look into like who's going to be that next dog, right, in that in that event, you know, there are a handful of names that come to mind. But we're starting to see, like, as you mentioned, Corey, Aiden Dixon's name starting to pop up. Uh, Arden Parker is starting to get his name in there. And also Dijon Stanley, like we're starting to see a lot of these 46s. I honestly wasn't expecting a lot of these to be happening right now, this early in the season. But the fact that we're seeing it now, I I think I have to agree with you, Corey. I think it's the next person up. Like who's going to put it out all on the track that day. We're really starting to see the shift when it comes to the boys 400 meters specifically right now. I feel like we're just starting to see a lot of big names and I'm starting, I'm all for it. Like the more people we can get under 47, Hey, it it just, uh, it like elevates the score a lot more. So yeah, I really think it's going to be exciting. I'm all for it. Uh, that's good stuff. Ashley, what do you have? Mm-hmm. Well, Corey, you mentioned earlier that the 800 on the boys' side this year is just absolutely loaded. And I'm really looking forward to seeing the boys' 800 at Arcadia this weekend. And it's going to be an interesting matchup. We know that Aaron Salmon, and you know, he's intended to run in this 800 meter race here at Arcadia, most likely. But, you know, looking through some of the guys that are entered, I mean, we don't know exactly what event they're going to be in, but I did see um, Zay Ricks here in in this race. And as we all know, a couple of weeks ago, it was Ricks who won the APU Meet of Champions in 149 against Aaron Solomon. So they could be going head-to-head again, and I think that could be really exciting. You know, looking back at that APU Meet of Champions race as well, like Aaron Solomon went out so hard in that first, you know, 400 meters and i'm gonna be curious to see how potentially he learns from his tactics from that race going into this and whether he changes anything you know i think in his post-state race interview he was like you know i'm gonna take that you know adjust some things and move forward with the rest of the season i'll be curious to see what those adjustments are if they you know indeed go head to head so i think that could be cool to watch how important is this race for aaron solomon hmm i mean i think it's important but also i do I think he's like a lot of the distance guys currently or just, you know, a lot of the, they kind of, they're looking forward to the end of the season as well, you know? So while Arcadia is a really premier event and this could be key to giving him some confidence going forward to the rest of the season, they still have their eyes set on, you know, nationals at the end of the year, maybe, you know, um, USATF U20s, that sort of thing. So I think it's an important stepping stone, perhaps. No doubt the most prestigious events at Arcadia every year are the 3,200 meters. Um, we get loads of athletes in, in elite territory on both sides, boys and girls. So naturally, we want to talk about it. Arcadia is, is known to produce some even national record level uh, performances. So uh, what do you both imagine top end results to be here in the 3,200 meters, considering where distance running is right now in the country? Uh, actually... Ashley, we'll start with you. We we don't natu- we don't have a ton of confirmed athletes, but we have suspicions on who will be in there. So if you just kind of <laughs> want to comment on that and, and your thoughts. Yeah, you know, again, we have some suspicions looking at some of the, just the team entries. Again, we don't know what events these athletes are in, but some elite level names were on those lists. You know, some that I found 
Daniel Simmons, Connor Burns, Rocky Hansen, Simeon Birnbaum, uh, Patrick Kuhn, Devin Kibiego, Noah Jenkins. That's just on the boys' side. And then if you look at the girls' side, some other names I saw, Irene Riggs, Kira O'Shea, Sadie Engelhart, Anna Callahan, Brooke Wilson. I mean, those are some, you know, girls and guys that they have been, you know, at the elite level since cross-country season. So if they indeed decide to enter this 3,200 meters, it could be some, I think it could be really exciting. You know, I was looking just last year, um, you know, looking at how many guys dipped under nine minutes and then how many girls dipped under 1030 in the 3,200. And I believe I had a count of 32 boys dipped under nine minutes and then 18 girls dipped under 1030. I mean, that's just insane for, for, for one meet alone. Like, <laughs> that's absolutely crazy. So, you know, I was trying to think, like, how many people do, do I think are going to, you know, surpass that barrier this year? And I'd like to say... Maybe we could see like at least thirty-five guys. And... I, I think the highest it ever was was over forty um, in one race. Yeah, and, and wow. I think the the sub race, the one proceed directly preceding the, the the fast section, yeah, typically gets them too. Yeah, I was so. looking last year, and I think there were nine guys in the. Um, I think it's like the rated race or whatever that yeah. went under nine minutes. So I mean, it's fast in the invitational and in the rated race. So it'll be exciting and. You know, hey, for the girls, I could realistically see, you know, 20 plus too, I think, going under 1030. Olivia, do you agree? What are your thoughts? I agree with Ashley with the number count. I, I feel like I'm very optimistic here. Like my guess is like maybe around 35 boys going under nine minutes and about 25 girls under 1030. And I feel Ashley has already talked about a handful of names. And again, we don't have the list yet, but like some of those names were like, yeah, we can totally see them doing amazing things. And I feel like, especially this year, when it comes to the distance side, like we've been seeing a lot of great athletes come through and like Irene Riggs and um, just so amazing athletes, just really putting it out there. And I just want to highlight Devin Kipiego uh, before we move further. I feel like he has been looking so sharp. I just remember watching him at New Balance National Indoors and just how he executed uh, that race. And I can really see him putting together a really top U.S. performance. And Patrick Kuhn, if he is in that 3,200 meters, he's already gone 852 um, from the FSU relays to be U.S. number three right now. So we're going to see a lot of great athletes really push each other. Iron Shire iron sharpens iron so i feel like we're just going to see a lot of great performances and a lot of great kids going after big times this weekend yeah the the, the confirmed ones we know for a fact that are going to be in this race are patrick kuhn mm -hmm. kip Diego, and noah jenkins of, of harriman uh texted mm -hmm. doug souls before this show and he said noah's going to go after a performance right there in the 840s category um so very fast all time national record for 3200 meters on the boys side 833. Colin Salmon ran that back in 2022 at the Sundown Series, setting a new national record. Girls' national record, 955.92 by Alexa Ephraimson, run back in 2014. Uh, only four girls have broken 10 minutes all time from what I saw in the 3,200 meters. A lot of girls run two mile, a lot of boys run two mile. So it's yeah, obviously the same race, but a little different. Uh, so naturally, some of those stuff kind of combines. But uh, 32 directly, it's Alexa Ephraim. And if Irene's in it, I think that's going down. No, that's 100% sure. going 100%. down. Like, like you said, no question. <laughs> yeah. And and on the boys' side, I actually think the meet record's going to go down tier two. Nico Young, back in 2019, uh, ran an epic race, 840. Cole Spout was in 840.7. So that was like those guys went mano a mano. Um, if Simmons is in this mm -hmm. race, which we all believe he will be, I think he has the potential to go after 830 for sure. And I know a bunch of guys... We're aiming for that, like 830 
threshold here for for thirty two hundred meters. You got to put together basically what like four, what is that four fifteen? Uh, yeah, yes, four fifteen, yeah. uh, six hundred meters. I mean, these guys are legit, and I could I could see something historic going down with the potential here on the line at Arcadia, and you know we've seen it before, so it could happen again. All right. Let's move on to uh, pen relays talk. We, we spoke with Aaron earlier about it. That was wonderful stuff. Uh, as we said yesterday, marked the end of the high school entries. Uh, those will be released officially on Tuesday, April 11th. We will have a show completely dedicated to the, the uh, announcement of the, the races, high school races then. Uh, college entries will close on April 10th. Uh, and yeah, stay tuned for our pen relay show next week. But we want to move to... Something that was announced on Friday, the Women's Olympic Development 600 field was introduced. It'll include the likes of Sage Herta, Hawker, Natoya Goal, and Ajay Wilson. Uh, just what can we expect from this race at the pen relays between these women? And actually, let's start with you. You know, I think looking at this 600 meters, there's going to be a lot of eyes on this race. And especially, too, with someone like Ajay Wilson in this field, you know, she's a veteran when it comes to, you know, U.S. middle distance running. And she's been one of the most consistent, you know, mid-distance racers in the entire country for such a long time. But, you know, if you look at this, she also may be entering this race looking for some redemption as well. She took six in this race last year in 125.87. And, you know, I know for a fact, you know, she's not going to be settling for six, I'm sure, here. She's going to be going for that win. And, you know, she holds a 122 600-meter PR, which she set back in 2017. And I'm just really curious to see how she responds to her performance from last year, bouncing back in 2023. She'll be going up against the top returner from last year in this race, Natoya Gould. And she's, you know, she finished second last year to Thingmo. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if Wilson bounces back here at Franklin Field. So that's what I'm looking forward to most in the 600. Olivia, do you, all right, what, do you have any different thoughts here? I kind of agree with Ashley a little bit. What I want to dive into a little bit deeper is just how this race is going to unfold. You have the 2022 indoor world champion, Ajay Wilson in the 800, Jamaican record holder, Pan American Games winner, top eight at the Olympic Games, and Toya Gould, and also Sage Herta is a two-time NCAA champion. So we have three strong powerhouses lined up in the 600 meters. What I can tell you is this race is going to be fast. Natoya Gould is a front runner. We have, I have seen her compete a handful of times, even while she was at LSU and now as a professional athlete. This girl's going to go out. And the thing is with Ajay Wilson is she likes to buy her time. She will be in the front, but she'll let you do the work. Um, and I just had a chance before we hopped on our show. I watched the World Indoor Championships uh, from last year in that 800. And literally at the 600 meter mark is when Ajay Wilson went and left everything out on the track to grab that gold medal. So I feel like Natoya Gould and Ajay Wilson are used to competing with each other. They've been doing this for a handful of years now. So they kind of know how each other will run. This is going to be fast. And Ashley already talked about it. Like, I feel like Ajay Wilson is going to want to improve on that sixth place finish that she had last year. Natoya clocked a 124.09 at Penn Release to finish second. Ajay went 125.87. But Sage Herta was also in that 800 meters at Penn Relay. So we know she has the strength and speed. She clocked a 159. So we're just adding a couple more meters onto that race. I think it's going to be exciting. It's going to be fast. We're going to see a handful of the nation's fastest 800 meter distance runners really line up at Penn Relays. It's going to be exciting for sure. 
in, in Sage won the 800 last year. Yeah, like, she did. Ducking mm-hmm. down to the 600. All three of them have 157 speed from last year, just on 2022 results alone. So, you know, the results themselves are pretty equal. So, race being yeah. what it is, it'll come down to tactics, I think, ultimately. How will you um, try to enforce yourself on the race? And, you know, last year, I think, as we talked about a thing, back half of the race really kind of had that extra gear that no one else had. Now, who has it? I, I think I tend to think that Sage might have a little bit of that going on, um, especially with, you know, getting into this race for the first time, you don't have any huge previous sort of moment memories or history kind of, you know, holding you back. Uh, you're just kind of looking forward to and trying to run your best race. And I think that kind of, um, you know, rookie mindedness might help. Um, and for her to Hawker in, pers- in, in particular, I think it might be special for her to release running here last year. She ran here in high school for Hamilton High School. Uh, she's from New York. Um, she has experience back in 2015, 2016 at the Penn Relays, and it's kind of a, a rite of passage to be here at Franklin Field and competing at this venue. From high school now to the pro ranks, I think that's a special moment when you could bring it all back and and have this experience because, you know, Penn Relays sort of, in, in some ways, helped shape her career in high school. It helped um, cultivate it towards, you know, stronger results. I mean, she never lot of race here at the Penn Relay. She was uh, second in a really good mile uh, race back in 2015, and she finished fourth another time. So looking for a win after for taking that 800 last year, and I think she has a really good shot against those two women, uh, Ajay and Natoya. So it will be super fun to watch. Let's move on to uh, a big event in Jamaica this past weekend, the ISSA Grace Kennedy Boys and Girls Champs. Uh, it, it was Obviously, I, it felt like all of Jamaica w- was at, at the venue here, kind of spectating and and helping, you know, give that that huge environment uh, there to to the high schoolers in, in Jamaica, and it was, it was amazing. Olivia, I want to go to you. What were what was mm-hmm. the one big moment or one huge, you know, narrative that you took away from that meet? Jamaicans are fast. <laughs> That was the biggest takeaway I got. Just looking at the results, you guys, across the board, girls, boys, sprints, everything, like, they were on fire. But I think one particular athlete that really caught my eye was Ricky Ann Russell of Homewood Tech. And I know Ashley's going to dive into the relays a little bit deeper. But, like, Miss Russell went 51-26 in the 400 meters. And this just shows how special that the Jamaicans have like developed these athletes, like the generations of athletes to come is so deep and the talent that they have in that country is absolutely amazing. And I had a chance to just go through, of course, we're preparing for Penn Relays in just a couple of weeks, but Homewood Tech has always had a presence at Penn Relays. And she was a part of that team that finished fourth in the championship of America in that four by four. And so the fact that she went 51-26 this early in the season um, is super spectacular. So I'm excited to see what she does moving forward in Homewood Tech as we approach Penn Relays. So I think that was the biggest storyline is just Jamaicans just have a deep generation of roots when it comes to the athletes and just how they're developing these these kids there. Could we see a 50 in the future for her? I, oh, most definitely. You're at 51 <laughs> too right now? Absolutely. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. Okay. Ashley. Yeah, staying on the topic on Homewood Tech here, you know, Russell isn't the only, you know, elite 400 girl that they have. If you look at the 4x4 at this race, they 
clocked 341 over the weekend, and that would rank among, you know, some of the top four times seen so far in the nation currently. And, you know, if you look at the Penn Relays historically, that 4x4, the Championship of America, is, you know, it's always so exciting and so competitive. And if you look at Homewood Tech's history in this race, you know, they last won a wheel in this event back in 2019 against their rival school, Heidel. And then last year, it was Heidel who took the title, I believe, in 2022. And so I think this could be a big confidence boost for the team going into Penn. You know, we're only a few weeks away that they already got that 341 underneath their belt, and that could carry them all the way through to hopefully they'll want another wheel at Penn Relays. Absolutely. I, I agree with, with both of those assessments. I mean, it's going to be fun watching Jamaican teams and athletes really go go forward in, in their seasons and potentially be at the Penn Relays. Um, two individuals that we're not going to mention here, but are on the site, milespot.com, Elena Reed and Buwagi Narumi, uh, both ran the 100-meter race at Champs and both put down Numi records. Reed went under 11 seconds. Narumi went under 10 seconds as a prep in Jamaica, which has never been done. Uh, Usain Bolt hasn't done it. Uh, I mean, that was an amazing performance overall. So if you want to read a little bit more on that, it's on milespot.com. But I think one of the biggest storylines to follow over the year is in the four by one here. Um, Heidel and Edwin Allen have developed a little bit of a tense rivalry over the years, I think. And it was present here for sure. Um, you won't find a better U20 performance here than, than what happened at Champs. Um, uh, Edwin Allen, I believe, went uh, 44-33 uh, as opposed to, I'm sorry, Heidel won 44-33, and then Edwin Allen was 44-77. Uh, those times right now, for comparison's sake, would be number one and number two in the U.S. this year. And only DeSoto, and historically, at the U.S. level, has gone faster than that overall. They went 40 uh 44.28 back in the day um that's crazy if we look at the pen relays from last year uh edwin allen won this race 43.18 heidel 43.69 the next fastest team in the four by one last year the pen relays st jago at 46.09 so that just goes to show just how crazy these two teams are how good they are and what we could expect in the future for for both of them so i think Edwin Allen, Heidel, uh, really making strides, and we should see some stuff from them in the pen relays. All right, Carifta Games happening this week in the Bahamas, uh, one of the best development meets in the world and held for Caribbean nations. Uh, features U17 and U20 athletes and will take place from Saturday, April 8th to April 10th. Uh, wide support for us, athletes from U.S. high schools with nationalities tied to Caribbean t- companies countries typically trek there and compete so that that really uh is is something to watch for and want to turn it to olivia here first i mean quick thoughts on what we could see at the crypto games i think we can see a lot of great things um i had a chance to talk well not talk i text coach gerald peary right before our show to be like hey i know adeja hodge just give me the list. Who, who are some of the athletes from Mountain Bird that will be competing there this weekend? And let's just say it's going to be a fast one because Adesha Hodge and Ms. Michelle Smith competed at the Crypto Games uh, previously. And Adesha is your defending champion in the 100 and the 200, where she ran 11.29 and 23.42. Um, but Michelle Smith is someone that has been the U17 
uh, girls 400 meter hurdle champion and also doubled back in the 800 as well. And she also even earned the silver medal in the 100 meter hurdles. So she was all over the track with the hurdles and also the 800 broke records there. And even as a sophomore, uh, she set the new uh, Virgin Island National U20 records in the 100 meter hurdles, 400 meter hurdles and the 800 as well. So she is looking to do great things this upcoming weekend. Elise Dickinson and Amira Turner will also be competing there as well for Mount Verde Academy. So four girls to look forward to as we go into Crypto Games this weekend. Absolutely. Ashley, for you. I guess my quick hypothetical would be, you know, I feel like we ask this every time, you know, she's about to step onto the track, but just how fast is the Deja Hodge going to go this weekend at the Crypto Games? You know, like, again, keeping in mind that she did some never before seen mind boggling things indoors in the 200. She's already done some even more mind boggling, almost never before seen things outdoors. You know, how is she going to keep this momentum going? I'm really excited to see her and all the other athletes. But yeah, I think like we can all say that, you know, we have our eyes on Hodge too as well. Olivia, if you can remember last year at Carifta, Adesia tripled and she skyrocketed up into the top five of the miles, but 50 as a result of that. That was, her, yeah. that was a huge breakthrough for Adesia. And it was kind of like her moment where we're finally saying Adesia Hodge is here and is one of the best mm-hmm. athletes in the country. I'm curious whether she do you have any feeling about whether she'll triple again or if she's going to center on a couple events um if you know she could do a lot but what is her focus what is her purpose that is a great question if i had to pick i feel like she would probably want to defend you know those the events 100 200 and also the jumps as well but she's looking really strong in that 100 i don't know what her goals are but you know i feel like she's probably going to take the best route to get those stepping stones. And what I mean by that, let's just take New Balance, for example, like she pulled out of that 60, right? In that, she made it to the finals, but the focus was this 200. And we saw something amazing, 22, 33, which we will probably never see for a very long time um, to come. So I feel like just depending on what her goals are going into Carifta and what her long-term vision for this season is, that's what she's going to be focusing on. Of course, I'm like, hey, go for the triple, defend the titles because I'm all for it. But I, I also know probably with Adesia, she might just want to focus on one thing in particular going into the weekend, which I don't know. But that, that's my pick. I feel like she should go for all three. Just defend the titles. 21-9. Ooh, ooh. 21-9. Okay. Ooh, mm. We're having this conversation now. Know. Now, <laughs> I don't know. Sure, why not? You don't know what. Why not? 21-9. Why not? Yeah. 21-9. I, I, yeah. I think the environment will be there for her, and I think a lot mm-hmm. of people will be supporting her down the stretch. So I think it's possible. You know, I think it's possible. She's run. She's tuned up. I think yeah. she could she put something down. Uh, that's That's my prediction. <laughs> All right. Put something down for sure. (laughs) (laughs) One last segment on this show. It's our national meet of the week. It is the all American invitational, which is held in South Carolina. We have learned that the Cuthbertson girls will be there. They will be running in the four by eight and they could go after a national record, which is held by Eleanor Reservelt's Maryland squad Uh, from back in 2008. They ran eight forty three back in the day. What will it what will it take to accomplish it? And do you think it will happen, Ashley? You know, I feel I think this can go down. Like it, you know, honestly, I do think this could go down, and I will tell you exactly why. I talked to, you know, the four ladies on this team and their coach Kirk Walsh, you know, earlier, a couple months back, you know, in the indoor season. And, you know, they 
kind of explains their thought process in attacking a lot of these relays. And the common theme I could find is that they're very smart when it comes to this preparation. You know, they're going to pick and choose specific events where they're really going to shoot for something big. And then, you know, they're going to pick some races where they'll just cruise or get in a hard effort. But they have their eyes set on, you know, the the right goals. And that means they're going to prepare for those in the right way, you know, proper recovery, proper workouts, proper training, all that. And so if there's rumors out there that they're going to be going for a national four by eight record outdoors, like I can guarantee you that they've really prepared for this. And, you know, I think it could go down for sure. Okay. All right. That's my, that's my take. But solo <laughs> though, right? Solo, solo record. Solo. Attempt. Yeah. I, 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 I can see mark? it happen, you know, like, oh gosh, what was it? I think in their outdoor opener like right before new balance indoors as a tune-up they at a home meet i think they ran like 850 or something like that 851 yeah, so yeah. if you think about it that way like they they can do it and I, I asked them about that too and they're like oh yeah it just seems like we were you know we weren't aiming for that we were just kind of jogging or something like that so i don't know we'll see olivia do they get the national record ah uh, see Okay, I may, my <laughs> mind is kind of all over the place with this, because here's the thing, we we have seen Cuthbertson do amazing things up until this point. Like, they have been, as Ashley mentioned, number five all time. They won New Balance National Indoors. What my mind keeps going back to is when we look at that race, their most previous race from the indoor season, being the first team to go under 850, they had Union Catholic pushing them. Pretty much that whole entire race, it was so incredible to see. And so I feel like if this national record is going to fall this weekend, specifically at the All-American Games, like it has to be perfect weather, perfect handoffs, strong mindset going into this race, but also they're going to have to be competing against the clock because right now I don't think there's any other team that's going to be able to touch them. And so essentially if we break this down, like each of the girls have to split close to a 210 or so. To, to have this record fall. I know it's there. I don't know if it will happen this weekend. I'm all, I'm voting that it falls. I want them to take down Eleanor Roosevelt's record for sure. Um, they were my rivals back in high school. I'm all for it. So I just don't know if the this particular weekend is going to be the weekend that it happens for that reason. Because I'm like, Union Catholic really pushed them during the indoor season to really break through that 850 barrier. So that's that's my hot take on this right now. Corey, what are your thoughts? I'm curious. I'm glad you mentioned the splits. I mean, that's not an easy thing to do to to run those legs. And if we look at the outdoor PRs of these girls, they're 215 for Alyssa Prasano, 212 for Justine Prasano, Stella Kermis, 214 Charlotte Bell is the only girl under 210 for the open 800 it's different in the in the relay obviously um right you, you tend to run a little bit faster between the handoffs and 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 with the splits and stuff but i don't know it's you know no one's really that close to them the second fastest seat here is mount Tabor, 914 charlotte country day 918 so they are going mm-hmm. to be on a silo by themselves yeah which as you said it's uh, tough it's very tough and even at at indoors, they pulled away from Union Catholic late. Uh, the last, um, the the anchor there for, I believe it was Kermis, right? It was Charlotte Bay? Bell. Charlotte, Charlotte Bell, Bell. Okay, yeah. um, pulled away. Um, so, you know, I, I just think it's going to be really difficult. Is it impossible? No, but I think in a better venue, maybe with some competition, I think they're more likely to get it. I think they'll get more than one chance at this too this year. So, mm-hmm. I think even if they don't get it this. year, 
this event this weekend, uh, they can look forward to something down the road because I think it's possible. But should be fun. All the content on milespud.com, live feed, and everything else. Uh, stay tuned there. That's about it on today's show. Ladies, anything else to before we finish? Any recs or show announcements or anything else? Show announcements. <laughs> I need to catch up on Alaska Daily. I know that's been our show. Yeah, you do. You that. do. Yeah. Mm. It is an interesting thing. I don't know. Love is Blind season four oh, has been very interesting. I'll say Ooh, that. Ooh. Love is Blind. Yeah. Okay. I don't know about all the reality TV. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know. Well, I'll just be your resident reality expert then. How about that? All righty. All right. That does it for this week's show. Stay tuned for next week, Tuesday, April 11th, as we have a full show dedicated to the release of the high school entries for the Penn Relays. Thanks for listening and watching. We'll talk to you later. Oh, <laughs>